I, I found that God's led me in my life to start changing me in a direction to move me in, in a path that He has for me. And it kind of leads into what I want to talk about. The title for my message would be Run Your Race. How many of you guys believe that God has a specific race for each of you to run? You know, and a lot of us are scared to run that race or scared to look different than the people around us. And so we, we base our life in a path, in a direction that looks like maybe the path of least resistance or the path of most successful or something like that. But I believe that God has called each one of us to run a race. And it's unique for each one of us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. It says all the runners run, but only one gets a prize. And for the way that I'm going to take that today is that we're all running a race. But there's only one person that can get the prize for your race. And I'm viewing the prize as at the end of my life, God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, Ben. And nobody else in here can run that race or get that prize for me. Nor can any of us get that prize for you. So we have a responsibility in our life to run the race that God set before us. And I believe that a lot of us are scared to, to look different. A lot of us are scared to be step out of the norm of the path of the mainstream of life. And so I just want to challenge us today a little bit to think about different. Think about what is God's race for me. And so um, I know Nathan goes verse by verse. I'm not that gifted in teaching, and so I'm just do better at talking. So it's going to look a little different than what Nathan does, but we'll probably get you out of here a little early too. But, but I believe that if God knows that he has a race for you, each one of you, I believe that the devil knows that as well. And I believe that the devil wants to trip us up in running our race that he set before us. And I believe that there's a few ways he wants to do that. And the first one I'm going to talk about is comparison. I believe the devil uses comparison... I, it's not his fault. I didn't give him all the notes. So uh, I believe that the devil uses comparison to trip us up. Social media has its pros and cons. I think more cons than pros. But social media is a way that the devil has learned to use to distract us all from running the race that God set before us. It allows us to see everyone else's highlight reel, their awesome vacation, their how well their kids are doing, the house they bought, or whatever it might be, the date they're on if you're at that age, or whatever it might be. Social media has its good things, but it's also allowed the devil to turn that in and make us really compare with the people around us. You know, and I believe that that's a tool that he's strongly used. And if we're comparing to people around us, it's really hard to stay on track running the race that God set for us. Because we want to, if we're trying to be who someone else is being, if we're trying to have what somebody else has, or become who somebody else is, we're probably not going to run the race that God set for us, the unique race that God set for us. And so we need to really guard being distracted. Um, I believe that there is, there's a grace to run the race that God's called for us. And I think if we get outside of those boundaries then that's when we get in trouble. And I build houses for a living. This isn't what I do for a living. I build houses for a living. And I believe that, I've, I mean, I've done it long enough, I believe my grace level is about 25 to 35 a year. Some people have a lot more than that. I know people who have, who build 70 houses a year. But I'm telling you, if I was to try to copy that 
and do 70 houses a year, I'm going to get in trouble. My margins in life are going to be different. I'm not going to have time to study for something like this. I'm not going to have time to take family vacations. I'm not going to have time to do certain things. And so I think getting, comparing with other people, it takes away and it takes you out of the grace, I think, that God has for your lane. And so we really need to guard that. Now, on the flip side, I think there's people who can look at my life and really God's called them to do five to ten houses a year, something like that. And so comparing, we like to like value ourselves almost. Like, well, if I'm doing this much, I'm, I'm better value or something. That's not how it works. In the kingdom of God, God has a specific race for you to run. And you're only being used in your highest level if you're running that path, not what somebody else's path is. And so just really don't get caught up in comparing with other people, because I believe God's given you a grace to run your race. And we really, like I said, we get off track trying to be somebody else. And so we might, you know, you look at like Nathan, Nathan started a church. Well, I don't feel like I'm supposed to start a church. But if I just looked at Nathan and I thought, well, man, he's doing a great thing of God. And I need to copy that. I'm not going to have the grace, I don't believe, from God to run that race. If I look at Mark, Mark here sitting here, he started overflow. I don't have the patience to do that. If I do that, I'm going to get off track. In that. And there's, there's a different story for each one of us, something else that we, we look at somebody else's thing that we might be saying, I, I think I should do that, or I want to do that, or they're going to a better college than me, or they're doing this, or whatever it might be. I'm just saying there's a lot of different things that the devil wants to trip you up with in comparison. And God, if we can really stay focused on what God has for us, it's going to simplify a lot of things because we're not comparing with everyone else, the mainstream. And I believe that's just one way that the devil would like to trip us up. Uh, let's see. I think the next one, being afraid to look different than other people. And I'm not talking appearance. None of us can do anything about that. I'm just saying. I think, I think we're scared to look different than other people. We really are. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. So if you're going to run the race that God has for you, it says small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. Not everybody's doing this. That means you're going to have to look different. If you look the same as everybody else around you, I'm telling you, there's a good chance you're running the American race and not God's race. And I know that's hard to hear, but that's just the facts. I think if we're looking, if we're looking the same as every, every area of our life, we go in the same direction of everyone else around us. We're as busy as everyone else around us. We do exactly the same thing. I think we're running the American race and not God's race. And so I just want to challenge you to think about that. Am I doing that? God, God's called us to look different. And one area I believe that we as Americans struggle with looking different in is the way we rest. How many of you guys think you have rest in your life? True rest. All right. I'm not talking about laziness. Laziness and rest are two different things. A lot of people, yeah, you're on one side or the other. If you're not lazy, then you don't rest. That's kind of how you view it. And so I believe that God is really calling us. If you even look at the way the Bible, I mean, God designed everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And so I believe to look different, to run God's race, 
you're going to have to be rested to have a full tank for when he says to go and run, you're going to have to be ready to do it. And so as individuals, I don't think we rest. We say that's our time. If you're younger, you don't have a family and that kind of stuff, we say that's our time to do everything before I get all the responsibility. And I'm going to try, yes, smile. I want to try everything and I'm going to go out and do stuff because I don't have all the responsibility. And I'm not going to be lazy. There's so much pressure on me to go to the next thing, to be, have my life all planned out, and which college I'm going to, which this I'm going to, what my job's going to be. And we just were afraid to rest because it's kind of frowned upon in society. As couples, I don't think we rest together as married couples. I think if we're not valuing date nights, we're not, I mean, when you were first dating, you would go on a drive for nothing, no apparent reason. You would just go to relax. You would go out and do stuff. I think Lydia and I, we started taking trips because we realized that our kids aren't going to be in the house forever. And it's going to be down to the two of us. And so for us to run the race of a healthy marriage, we've got to make sure this is number one. Kids and all that, they're there too. But I'm saying we started taking trips away from our kids. <gasps> yes, we did that. And so that's okay because I knew that it was healthier for them as well if we were healthy. And so we started guarding that. As families, I'm telling you right now, we do not know how to rest. Our version of rest is you take the kid to this tonight, I'm going to take the kid to that tonight, and we're going to meet, and maybe we'll have 20 minutes before we go to bed, and we'll do it all over again tomorrow. And I'm saying, we started a thing a long time ago. I've got four kids. Brittany's my youngest. There are two left the house. Three, one of them went to, two got married last year. One's in a church internship, so we're down to one at the house. But even when they were all there, we started a thing we called family night. And what was family night? Nothing. That's what family night was. We were all going to be home with no agenda, and we were guarding that heavily. And even as the kids have moved out of the house, most weeks, they all come back for family night because we know to stay strong, you don't have to be busy and keep everybody entertained, but you're going to have to take time to refill. You're going to have to take time to refill. So I would challenge you, if you have kids in the house, and if you would say six out of the seven nights of the week, shot, we're done. There's too much going on. I'm telling you, somehow you need to guard a night. If you can't have one or two nights a week where there's nothing on the agenda, we're not going anywhere, we're not doing anything, we're just hanging out. Because I'm telling you, as Mike like said, I've got one in the house, just one. That time that you have investing in your kids and pouring into your kids and building relationships in your kids will fly by and they'll be out of your house before you know it. And so I would really say guard rest in your life as individuals as couples. And you say, I don't have time for that. We have time for what we value. We have time for what we value. I know that's hard to hear and I mean, it's not, not easy to do, but it is true. And so I would really challenge you to make time for rest. It's not laziness. It's not non-productive. It's maybe the most productive thing you can do in a week is to set aside to do nothing. And so, and it's gonna take that to run the race that God has for you because you're gonna have to have that time to recuperate. And let's see, another thing you're going to have to be okay to not look different in, this one's going to be kind of shocking, is our priorities. Who is our number one priority? Mark said it. God. God is number one priority. Now, we have to make that 
our number one priority, not just in what we say, but in how we live life. And Sean, my brother, like I said, he's got a church cross down, but I'm stealing this from him because he did all the research and I'm just feeding off of it. But he said, uh, he, they did a study, whoever they are. They did a study and they asked Americans what percentage, they were trying to figure out what percentage of Americans would say they're Christians. And the number was 60%. 60%. I don't know how they got to the number they got. That's just what they got. So we're either on one side of that, like, yeah, right, or, wow, that's an awesome number, you know? And so, but then they, they continued to study it deeper. And they wanted to find out how many of those people, what percentage of those people actually had God. If you followed their life and you could dig a little deeper, what had, how many of those percentage of those people had God as their highest priority? Not just in what they said, but in how they live life. And they actually live life as the Bible as the blueprint and the map of their life. They came up with 6%. So the number dropped from 60 to 6%. And we might be like, okay, well, that's okay, but not in the church. They, they, did it, they studied farther. And they said churches like this one and like the one that I go to, how many people, what's the percentage of people in those churches that have... They live their life, actually, with God as the highest priority and biblical point of view. And the Bible trumps everything. It was 20%. 20%. So if there's 40 of us here, that study would show, show that there's eight people. I know that's not the number here. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying they took the average. And so that's shocking. I'm, I say that to say, what was my second point? To, we're going to have to not be afraid to look different than other people to run the race. If we're saying two out of 10 people, according to their study, would say that God is number one, and that's how I'm going to live my life. Two out of 10. So the chances are the people around you are not heading in that direction, for sure, outside of this place. And so we're going to have to be okay to look different. God's number one priority, not just in what we say, but how we live. And then family second. I see a lot of people who put family above all. Schedules, kids' schedules above all. And to run our race, if that's how we're positioned, we're not going to run the race that God has set before us because we've got the wrong order. And so um, just really want to guard and not be afraid to look different. It's not the wrong way. It's actually the right way if we're doing it God's way. And so just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Hobbies, work, I've seen a lot of people. They say, I'm being responsible with work. I'm being responsible with work. I, I quit a job once, and somebody said, what are you going to do? You have to be responsible. And I told them back, I said, my responsibility is not just a paycheck. My responsibility is when I hear God say do something, I'm supposed to move. And so I'm saying you have that on that responsibility as dads and moms in your house, that if, if God says move, it's time to move. If I'm supposed to guard something as a Christian home, then work schedule can't trump everything. Kids' schedule can't trump everything. God's asking us to look different than the people around us, and that's what it's going to take. So that one went over so well, so we're going to go to number three. We're going to go to number three. Letting go of what you've done in the past. This is, I, I think the devil's tried to trip us up with comparison. He tries to trip us up by being afraid to look different than other people. And I think the third thing I'm going to look at is letting go of the past, what you've done in the past. 
Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead. Sometimes the biggest thing that keeps us from moving forward is what we've always done. Our comfortableness, our hurts, whatever it could be in the past. But sometimes to continue moving on God's race forward, we're going to have to let go and be willing to change and do something different. I'm going to give you a crazy change in my life. I build houses for a living. And I'm just going to let you in on just a way that I've changed my life a lot that none of you are going to want to do. I've been married 25 and a half years. And I'm going to have a couple people guess, and I'm going to pick. Don't say it out. I'm going to have you guess how many houses you think I've lived in in 25 and a half years of marriage. I'm just talking about change in my life, being willing to change. Uh, I've been married 25 and a half years. Two of those houses I've lived in for five years. One of them I've lived in for four. So that's 14 years with three houses. So who wants to guess how many houses I've lived in in 25 and a half years? Nobody? Seven. Seven. I got seven. Anybody else? 11, 15. Okay. The number is 17. 17 houses I've lived in. And in two months, I'm moving into my 18th. Because I'm building one right now. So that is a drastic area that we have changed in our life constantly. And everybody says, how long are you going to stay in this one? We never tell them because we don't know. Hopefully, I just say hopefully a long time. But I'm saying to move in a path in God's direction for your life, you're going to have to be willing to change. You don't have to sell your house. But you're going to, maybe you do, I don't know. But you're going to have to be willing to change. And so I think there's a lot of different things that God may ask you to change. God may be asking some of you in a season of life to change your job. Maybe it's got too high a priority. Maybe it's taking too much of your time. You're searching for an income or a title or a position. God may be asking that out of some people. You know, I'm not saying that, but you just we have to, we have to live life with an open hand to walk out the path that God has for us in life. And we can't have a closed hand that I've, I've, I've latched onto this. And so God may be asking some of you to do that. God may be asking some of you to change your schedules. Like I said, we're not guarding rest in our lives. And so we, we run at such a high RPM that we never have time to get into the Bible, to pray, to just do nothing and enjoy life and kind of fill our tank back up so we can pour back out into other people. All of our life is so busy doing the things that we need to do or want to do. The saying is, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so you got to think about that. If he can't make you bad, which a lot of us are here, he's probably not going to make us bad. But what he can do is distract us by making us so busy in our life that we really lose focus of what really is the purpose of our life. And so some of you may ask to change your job. Some of you may ask to change your schedule. Some, may, some of you, this one may not go over well, but he may ask you to change your closest friends if you think about it. Some of you, we said narrow is the road and small is the gate that leads to the path that God has for you. Small is the gate. I'm not saying don't have people in your life that you influence. God has called us to do that. But what I'm saying is if your closest people, your closest inner circle that you hang out with all the time, they look like everyone else and they're not chasing after God 100%, then I challenge you to evaluate what position and what part of my circle or how close to my circle do these people need to be. And that's not 
there's nothing wrong with that. That's guarding what's supposed to be guarded. And I'm not saying kick people out of your life. I'm not saying that at all. God wants you to influence people around you. But I am saying that we need to guard to do what God wants us to do and to run our race. It's going to take looking different and making changes to get in that position. So we position ourselves to run the way God wants us to run. And so he may ask some of you to change your friends. Some of you, I believe that he may be just simply asking you to change the things you value. How many of you guys, if you're, you're thinking about it, yes, we would say God is our highest priority. I'm not saying we wouldn't. I think all of us in here would say that. But how many of us are valuing the call of God in our life? Have we thought about what is the call of God in my life? Are we, are we valuing that? What, what about people around me? When we walk through our day, every day, God's called us. God's called you to influence people I'll never meet and me to influence people that you'll never meet. And so when we're going through our day, what are we valuing? Are we valuing checking off everything we need to do? Or are we valuing that, wow, that person, you know, I, I, mean, I think some people respond harsh in a day, and, you know, we want to respond the same way back. I know that. But it's like, are we thinking, why are they responding that way? And so there's a bigger picture, you know. And so it's just valuing, I mean, changing what we value. Are we valuing the call of God on our life? And so, like I said, I'm moving quick. So the devil wants to distract us from running our race with comparison, being afraid to look different, and being unwilling to change our comfortableness or what we've always done in the past, or the situation, our environment that we've created. And so he's trying to trip us up. But some of us are saying, uh, how do we know if we're running the race God has for us? How do we know? Because I'm sure we're curious. Well, I would start by following up with one more question. Have we ever asked him? Have we ever asked God, what is the race you've called me to do? Or do we do like I've done in the past? We make all our major decisions and we ask God to put a stamp on it and say, will you bless what I'm doing? And so I just want to challenge you. If we're saying, how do we know we're running the race? I would say, ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Have I even asked God, what is the race that you've asked me to run? And then we I'm not talking about where we're eating for dinner, I mean, for lunch after church. But I'm saying our major decisions in life and the directions that we're setting our life, our family's lives, our grandkids' lives, whatever it may be, have you ever asked God, what is the direction? What is the course? What is the call that you put on my life? Because this is something that I'm doing right now. I would have not, I mean, I would have, if I wasn't willing to get out of my comfort zone and change, I wouldn't be up here. Because when I grew up in a family that did ministry, we would go around, we would sing. My dad was a preacher and a construction worker. But, and I had said back then, I do not feel called to get up and talk to people at all. And I've just allowed God over time to slowly chip away at that and to realize that, no, he, my comfort level is to not, but that God has called me to do something. And it just in, I've only done this a couple times in the past year, preached at our church and stuff, but I'm just saying that God is beginning to chip away and to show me that I have called you to something more than just construction. And I've, I've called you to a certain path. And so I'm saying that's like that for each one of you. It's the same way. God has a specific calling, a specific 
path for you. If you say, I've, I've maybe been on God's path, or I thought I was, and I got distracted, and I got kicked off of it in my mind. God has a path right for you back. If you say, I'm, I've, I've been on the path, I think, but now I'm not on the path. And if you're truly repenting about it, God will kick you right back on the path of where you're supposed to be. He'll create a path through the grass, and you're right back on the trail again, running again. And so I'm just saying, you're never, you're never too old, you're never too young. God has a specific calling for each one of us. And so, let's see where we're at. I would say, um, like I said, if you've never asked that, if, you, if you're saying, you know what, I've, I think I've been on the path, but I'm not sure where I'm at. I would say, ask yourself this. When you get alone in your quiet time, and you're asking God, just, you know, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? And I'll tell you, I've done this. And I've, the external circumstances in my life would be at the highest. I'm making the most money I've ever made, or I've, you know, my kids are doing great, or whatever it is. But when I get quiet with God and myself, and I say, do I feel like I'm running the path I'm supposed to be running? And I'll be honest, sometimes I've had that, even in the past couple of years, I've had that, that emptiness, that void saying, there's got, actually, when Lydia and I talk about it, my wife and I talk about it, the phrase pops up, there's got to be more than this. And like I said, the external circumstances in my life, if you look at my life from the outside, you're going to say, yeah, it seems this stuff's clicking. It seems okay. But I'm telling you, and it has. I'm not saying we're off track or anything, but I'm just saying at the core of who I am, if I'm quiet and I let God be honest and do a work inside my heart and speak to me, and I say, am I running the path that you have for me? I might get partially, but I know I get there's got to be more than this. And so we have to decide, do we want to settle for normal or do we want to run the race and pursue the specific thing that God's called us to do? And he's got something for each one of us here. And it doesn't matter what our past is or where, we're, where we've come from. He's got something for each of us. So I'm just recapping. I told you we're getting out of here early, okay? So, but God has a specific path. The devil knows that. And he's, he will. He will use comparison because it distracts us so much. It really does. Because we're trying to run a race. We're running a race that even when we think we won and we got to the top of that race, the finish line, we're going to turn around and realize I ran the wrong route. I didn't even run the right route. And so we're going to have to reboot and get back onto the path that God has. So comparison is something we really have to guard against. And that looking different. We're going to, guys, I'm telling you, if two out of ten according to their study, and they're probably not far off. But if two out of ten people are actually running a path that is a God-directed path, then that means we can't look like people around us. We're going to have to look different and run in a way and be okay to not look normal and say no to things that other people are saying yes to and say yes to things that other people are saying no to. That's the only way it's going to work, to run after God's path. And so then the last one, being willing to change. This one, it is a hard one for us because we all are creatures of habit and we get comfortable in an area and God wants to... If you look at change, look at the seasons even that God created. Summer, fall, winter, spring. In Missouri anyway, that's dramatic change. And it doesn't even have to go through the seasons. It can be two days later. But I'm saying it's a healthy way 
that God has created things to continue in a healthy pattern. And so the leaves fall off, they come back on, and it's just a constant cycle for a healthy thing to be moving in a direction. So we're not going to, we can't be afraid to change things in the past. I'm not saying force change, but we can't resist change because I've done both. And so if we're on a thing saying, I, I wonder if I'm on God's path, truly ask yourself, have I ever asked him what is it? Have I ever asked God what is the path you have for me? And we could be in church our whole lives and never truly ask that, or at least truly meant it. And so ask God, what is the path you have for me? And if we feel like we're kind of on it, maybe we have, maybe we're slipping, when you're alone in your quiet time, evaluate yourself or let God evaluate you. And at the core of who you are, figure out, is that voice saying there's got to be something more than this? There's got to be something more than this. Or... You may be completely fulfilled. You're not going to be completely filled no matter how much money you make or no matter anything you can do in life unless you're running the specific, the most fulfilling thing in life is running the specific call of God on your life. And if we're on that path, like I said, it doesn't matter who's doing what around us. We're going to walk through life not perfect, not nothing's ever going to happen to us. That's not true. But we're going to walk through life being the most fulfilled and satisfied people because we know we're going in the direction that God is taking us. Crazy.